0: This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, October 4th, 2015. Exodus, Once We Were Slaves.
1: Good morning, Connection Church. We're so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us. My name's Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we're two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our lord and savior jesus christ would you pray with us please thank you god for today today's a gift we might not have i know i didn't think about that when i first woke up but it is a gift and it's a gift that we're here together that we can worship and praise your name freely thank you and now open our hearts that we might Hear your word found in scripture and apply it to our lives, that we might be bound together in your love. We pray this in your name. And everybody gathered said,
0: amen. Amen. So it's World Communion Sunday. What that means is today, Christ followers all over the world (coughs) are uh, celebrating this sacrament, this sacred moment, when we remember Christ's last supper with his disciples, his last supper supper before going to the cross so then we ask why the big deal why, why is something uh, like this even worth mentioning today why are we focusing on this in the message this morning well what this does it reminds us today as Christians around the world sharing this holy feast that Christ lived and Christ died not just for the few not just for the many but for all all each and every one of us, all shapes, sizes, colors, nationalities around the globe. Those who are gathered this morning celebrating Holy Communion and even those who have not an inkling even of who Jesus Christ is.
1: World Communion Sunday. It just choked me up to take a look at that video that Barry prepared and how today we gather from all over the globe, and we're reminded that we are sisters and brothers in Christ. We are family. I got all my people with me, all right? We are family because we are one in Christ. We have a Father that we share, God, in heaven. And as families do, we come together at the table. I know dinner time has always been important in our family and I'm sure in yours as well. And so we come together, Christ's family, as brothers and sisters around the communion table. Now in our church we don't have the formal communion table like other many other churches do, but that's okay because it's not the table that's the important thing. It's the Togetherness. That's what communion means to commune. Community. To be together. As different as we are, we come together and our focus? Jesus. We come together focused on Jesus. We come together thankful for what Jesus did for us, what he did for us on the cross by giving his very life. And we celebrate that, and we are thankful for that mm. as we celebrate Holy Communion together.
0: As different as we are around the world. You know, we don't all do communion the same way. For example, the original communion, that Last Supper that Jesus shared with his disciples, they used um, unleavened bread and wine. Now, if you ever used unleavened bread? It's not like pita bread. It's even less than a, than a saltine cracker because a saltine has... I think it's baking soda, it has some leavening in it. This is, has absolutely no rising age, and it's, it's pretty boring, really, if you've ever had matzah. <coughs> it's very flat, very thin, and very crunchy. <laughs> like, less, less, less rise than a cracker. That's what they use, though, and that's how they celebrated the Passover meal, unleavened bread and wine. Um, important part of their history for the Jews. For us, we use regular bread, and we use grape juice. And why do we do that? Well, it's more in context with who we are. You know, we use bread like we would normally eat, and, and, and it's context for us as Methodists, United Methodists, because United Methodist Church, for a long time, we've used the fruit of the vine, the grape, just that we haven't fermented it first. <laughs> so that we drink grape juice rather than wine as part of the communion celebration.
1: So as we take a look about this, World Communion Sunday we find this idea of context where we are so very very important because across the world we don't all do communion exactly the same for example there's a place called Tonga anybody ever heard of Tonga okay a few of you Tonga is this uh, little island chain in the South Pacific It's near Australia and the coconut is the mainstay the coconut is the mainstay in Congo and they have used this for communion now bread and wine or grape juice for them is not a normal thing but the coconut is the highly valued and meaningful fruit in their area you know the coconuts really interesting because it has three indentions right here. can't see it, but there's, it's like three little circles, and to them, as Christians in Tonga, three represents Trinity, three and one, Father, Son, and Spirit. And we're also told that only one of these little indentions is really able to be pierced. As Jesus's side was pierced, it's all representative. Now inside this coconut, I wish you could. I wish you could hear it. But there's liquid in here. We all know that coconut milk. It's water. water. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, the water. Well, yeah. Because there's
0: milk when they there, yeah. when, when you mix this stuff up.
1: You mix it, okay? Yeah. Coconut water. Yeah. Anyway. The water is really precious because in an area when they haven't had blood to transfuse, when somebody's needed a blood transfusion, they've actually used coconut water because they, they believe that that's the life of the coconut. Isn't that interesting? And the part of the coconut that's eaten is called the flesh. So the life, the blood, the flesh, that's why this coconut is so important to this culture. Powerful symbols of Jesus Christ, body and blood. Mm.
0: In other words, if bread and wine are kind of alien to a culture, they they might use other elements that better connect them to Christ's death, resurrection, better convey to them the nourishment that Jesus brings. In Latin America, for example, we might find, uh, instead of bread, we might find a tortilla used. Um, in, um, in, in another place, in Indonesia, sticky rice might be used instead of bread. <clears throat> in Taiwan, communion elements might be um, sweet potato and tea. We've even heard of bananas or plantains being used in the Holy Communion. In in Jesus' context, the unleavened bread and wine powerfully conveyed the message. In in our context, leavened bread and grape juice conveyed the message. Other elements in other contexts. The bottom line is that the message be conveyed. Amen? The message, the the message that Jesus is real just as these elements are real and, and that he's a part of my life just as these elements are a part of my life when I ingest them.
1: So I'd like to go back a moment to something that <coughs> Alan said when he said that Holy Communion refers to what we know of as the Last Supper, the Last Supper that Jesus shared with his disciples before his uh, final days here on earth. They were celebrating the Passover meal, which was a ritual for the Jews. And so we'd like today to look at what that's all about as we begin our series on the Exodus. In order to do that, we're going to share a little history lesson with you. Okay, so
0: Exodus is the second book of the Bible. We're going to go back to the first book, Genesis, you know, in the beginning. But this is the end of the book of Genesis, the end of that first book. And we find the story of Joseph. Maybe you've heard of Joseph. Joseph had the coat of many colors. There was a Broadway show, the, uh, Joseph and his Technicolor Dream Dreamcoat. Anybody heard of this character, Joseph? When I say character, I don't mean fictional. He's very real. Character Joseph, favorite son of Jacob, Jacob being the father of the tribes of Israel. Favorite son, Joseph, and the great-grandson of Abraham. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. How do you like that one? And yet, out of slavery, in Egypt, he became the number two guy in all of Egypt. How do you like that? The number two guy just under Pharaoh, Pharaoh being the king, the ruler, the both the political and the religious ruler of Egypt, and Joseph is the number two guy. Later in life, Joseph, uh, he forgave his brothers for what they'd done, and with Pharaoh's br- blessing, he moved his entire family I mean, his brothers and his dad and all their nephews and nieces, moved them to Egypt when they were in need of food because of a famine at home. At the end of the book of Genesis, we read that Joseph died at the ripe old age of 110, and after being embalmed, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt.
1: So why all this information about Joseph? Well, it gives us the background for the next book of the Bible called Exodus, Genesis Exodus Exodus It's the story of God's people God's people departing um, from Egypt Exodus means departure and it's the perhaps the most significant event in history for the Jews and Exodus is our focus for the month of October our teaching will come from the book of Exodus now At the beginning of Exodus, it starts with a listing of all of Jacob's sons. Joseph was one of them. And there are also Joseph's brothers who went to Egypt. They took their families, 70 in all. And this is what we are told.
0: Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous and, if war breaks out, will join our enemies. Fight against us and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they built Pithom and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly They made their lives bitter with harsh labor and brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly.
1: I just noticed that that ruthlessly is twice there. I mean, that is really rough. They were so enslaved. Say the word enslaved.
0: Enslaved. It
1: doesn't even feel good to say, does it? Enslaved. The Hebrew people were enslaved for four hundred... 30 years 430 years God's people God's chosen people enslaved picking it up at the second chapter of Genesis the Israelites God's people the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them.
0: God hears the cries of the Hebrew people just as he hears your cries, my cries. And, and, and God, he heard the cries and he raised up a man who would lead them to freedom, his, his name was Moses. Maybe you've heard of him. know, he's the main character in that movie from the 50s, the, the Ten Commandments, with Charlton Heston, maybe you've seen it, or maybe you saw that animated movie a couple years ago, Prince of Egypt. That's Moses, although both of those take great liberties with the story. We're not taking liberties here today. We're using the original manuscript, the Bible. God guides Moses as, he, as Moses negotiates with Pharaoh the release from slavery of over 600,000 men in addition to women and children. If you figure 600,000 men plus women and kids, I'm figuring that's got to be over 2 million people. That's like, that's like three times the population of the state of Delaware. That, that, that's quite a, quite a little army there, quite a little uh, slave force, quite a little workforce they've got there. <clears throat> so God uses, he's trying to get Pharaoh's attention. And Pharaoh's pretty hard-hearted. So God puts plagues, sets plagues on Pharaoh, on on the people and his country to encourage him to to listen, to release these people that he's holding in slavery. Now, these uh, it's a series of 10 plagues. They include the country being overrun by frogs and then gnats and then flies. The plague of livestock killed all the Egyptian livestock, but none of the Hebrews. Boils broke out on all the Egyptian people and animals throughout the land. Then came the plague of hail, which just about destroyed all the vegetation. And what wasn't destroyed was then destroyed by the, the, uh, uh, the locusts <laughs> that were sent. Then came the plague of darkness, three days without light, unless you were living where the Hebrews were living. Through these plagues, Pharaoh would promise to release the people. And then when the plague passed, Pharaoh would renege on his promise.
1: So God shared with Moses that the final plague on Egypt would be the plague of the firstborn the plague of the firstborn Moses told Pharaoh that at about midnight the Lord would go through Egypt and every firstborn son would die from the firstborn son of the Pharaoh to the firstborn son of the slave girl, and even the firstborn of the cattle as well. Wow, that sounds really harsh. But remember, the Lord had been trying one plague after another to get the Pharaoh's attention to release God's people from slavery. But the Pharaoh continued to refu- uh, refuse God's uh, persistence. Persistence.
0: Mm. The Lord then told Moses to tell the people to sacrifice a one-year-old lamb or goat, one that was without defect. they were to take some of the blood from that sacrifice and put it on the doorframe, on the sides and top of their doorframes of their houses. the families were to eat that sacrifice along with bitter herbs and bread without yeast. The bitter herbs would remind them of the bitterness of 430 years of slavery and the, <coughs> the bread made without yeast is going to remind them how they're going to be leaving in haste. This was the Lord's Passover meal. The, the blood over the doorways was, was an indication that when death came, death should pass over those houses. That's where that word Passover comes from. Pass over the houses with the blood on the doorframe. In all the other homes... The firstborn would die
1: so right now we're covering we've been covering a lot of chapters of Scripture we encourage you this month in October to open up your Bibles read Exodus begin at chapter 1 you're gonna hear everything that we're sharing today and so so much more well, as we continue on in Exodus, the Lord at midnight struck down the firstborn of every uh, family in Egypt. Can you imagine? And there was loud wailing. Can you imagine when the mother and the father realized that their firstborn had been struck down in death all throughout the land? No house was untouched in this final plague during the night the pharaoh summoned moses and moses brother who was the high priest his name was aaron and told them and all the israelites to leave the country i guess this finally got the pharaoh's attention get out of here the pharaoh would say and the egyptian people urged the hebrews to go very quickly and as a result the israelites took their dough before the yeast Was added. They asked their neighbors for silver and gold just as Moses had instructed them to, and the Egyptians gladly complied in order to get them out of town, in order to get them out of town as quickly as possible.
0: And so that very day, the Egyptians, I mean, the Israelites left Egypt. It wasn't the end of their challenges including, it wasn't the end with Pharaoh, who who followed them all the way to the Red Sea. Maybe you're familiar with that story. All the way to the Red Sea, where Pharaoh and his troops ended up doing the dead man's float. After God parted the sea, Moses and his uh, people went through, and when Pharaoh tried to follow, the waters caved in around them. It wasn't the end of the challenges, as they would spend 40 years in the desert, as God prepared them before they entered into the Promised Land. But it was the end of their enslavement in Egypt. It was their exodus. They were free, and every year following, they would celebrate that freedom with the Passover Feast, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, following instructions that God had given them even before they left. That celebration continues today. It's usually in the springtime of the year, as Jews around the world remember this chapter of their history. And a really important part of the liturgy, of what's said during that celebration, is this. They will say, once we were slaves, but now we are free. Once we were slaves, but now we are free. It's a yearly reminder of the most significant event in the history of the Jewish people, God bringing them to freedom after 430 years of slavery.
1: The Passover feast. That's what Jesus was celebrating with his disciples on that last night that we call the Last Supper, before Jesus was going to leave to be with his Father in heaven. And Jesus took the unleavened bread and broke the bread and shared with them that the bread and the wine was an important symbol of who he was, that he was not going to leave them but leave a symbol of his love for each one of them, for each one of us. He shared that night that he was going to be arrested, that he was going to be beaten and and his body would be bruised and stripped, that he would be hung on a cross, but they didn't force him to go on that cross. He went willingly for you and for me. He shared with them that night that the, the bread, the unleavened bread, represented his body given, his blood, the wine, the blood shed. And that what that meant for them was that it was a new covenant that in their sin they would be free no longer rules and regulations that were operative um, all those rules that we see in the old testament but christ came to have relationship relationship with god father son jesus and the holy spirit a relationship whoever so believes will not die because of their sin but we will have life eternal because Christ has paid the price, the ultimate price for their sin, for our sin, for the sins of the world.
0: Hmm. For the Passover feast, a lamb was uh, sacrificed in Eden, a remembrance of the lamb whose blood was spread on the top and sides of the doorframe, that sign for death to pass over. Following the Last Supper, Jesus became the sacrificial lamb, the final sacrificial lamb, sacrificial lamb of all sacrificial lambs as he went to the cross, his blood paying the price for your sins and mine, his blood finding forgiveness, his blood giving us freedom, so that we are no longer slaves, no longer slaves to our desires, no longer slaves to our addictions, no longer slaves to our weaknesses, no longer slaves to our passions, no longer slaves to our sins.
1: The Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the second half of the Bible, he wrote a letter to the church in Rome. So in the book of Romans, we read in chapter 6, Paul writes... Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Say the rest with me. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Righteous, that's right, like we're shaped up, we're straight, we're right with God in right relationship.
0: We appreciate how Eugene Peterson um, paraphrases this passage in in a book called the message he says this he says all your lives you've let sin tell you what to do but thank god you've started listening to a new master one whose commands set you free to live openly in his freedom
1: and do you know who that new master is that new master his name is jesus we are no longer slaves to sin we have a new master and we can live in his freedom he came his sacrifice his willingness to die for us sets us free so that we can live openly in his freedom when we know Jesus we are no longer slaves to sin because we are not we don't have to stay there we can ask for forgiveness and move on new life the old is gone the new has come those things that separate us from god don't need to be anymore christ is the one who bridges the gap who makes a way for us to receive forgiveness and love and grace and mercy and peace That all that stuff that just binds us controls us infects us doesn't have to because Christ the perfect one the Lamb of God took all that on so that we could be free once we were slaves but now we're free in Christ without Christ we're slaves When we have Christ in that relationship, we are free to hope, to peace, to mercy, comfort. I could speak for the rest of the day on what that means. But all we have to do is receive and believe in faith that he loves us that much. And so we come together today remembering what we've learned about the Passover, how God saved God's people in Israel, and how God saves us through his son, Jesus Christ. And we do that with the world today. As Christians across the globe, whatever time frame they're in, recognizes that he is Lord and there is none other than Christ. Mm. Let's believe that. Let's live it in faith because that's the good news for us. Mm.
0: Amen? Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302 378 7692, Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.